The views expressed in this presentation are expressly those of the presenter and do not reflect the official policy or position of the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, the United States Air Force, Department of Defense, or United States government. especially calls out to you or even resonates with you, whether it's like your ethnic like background, your gender, religion, or even your family. Of course, but let me do my thing and keep it 100% faith before you all. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, worldwide. You are now listening to the hottest we, the rebel nation, the revolution, the revolt, and the most hype OFC in the enterprise. That'd be me, Christian, the hype man, slash live from the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. And we got a spot all up in your multimedia. So my saying to you is always be prepared to say the right thing or do the right thing. But most importantly, be ready to possibly be looked as a villain for it. Okay. The reason why I say that is because if you're doing this thing right, the thing that we call life, you're not always going to be somebody's hero. Okay. You only are the hero when you fit the narrative of the hero, regardless of, you know, if you're saying or doing the right thing, when it, you no longer fit the narrative of somebody's hero, then there's a more of a, opening to become somebody's villain. And what I mean by that is, again, if you're doing the right thing and you're providing the feedback and you're living this thing called life, not everybody does life the correct way all the time. Not everybody hits the standards all the time, even though they try to hit the standards all the time. Not everybody says the right things or does the right things all the time. When you have been trained and taught to speak up and let people know what the standards are when they are not being met, not everybody is going to accept that feedback. If regardless, regardless the fact that we are trained to receive feedback, not everybody is going to receive it the way that they have been trained to receive it and actually analyze what's really going on, okay? As a result, it, be- it becomes a vulnerability, right? It becomes a possibility that you're going to be looked at as a villain because you're the one relaying the message. And you might just be the messenger. You might not even be the one who observed it. You know, you, Somebody might be doing wrong, let you know because you're you know, the manager or the supervisor, Hey, I observed X, Y, and Z. That's not within standards. Just can you go and talk to your people and, and let and let him or her know that X, Y, and Z. Oh, okay, cool. Thanks for letting me know. Let me go ahead and do my thing. All right, that's my job. That feedback gets relayed to that person. That person does not like that feedback for whatever reason. And we're talking about, no, you're not talking about, oh, it's subjective. No, we, you were observed doing X, Y, and Z. That's not correct. The correct way is blank. At that point, When the feedback is not received properly, there goes your vulnerability of being perceived as the villain in somebody's life. You're not the hero anymore. If you're doing the thing that's called life properly, it is very, very hard to be the hero all the time. The only person probably has been the hero the entire time in ROTC is probably Tran. And Tran has probably said, you know, I've had to be the villain a couple times and let people know what the deal was. Right. And it wasn't received very properly, but it was the right thing to do. Okay, that's what I'm trying to trying to get at. Okay, if you're doing this thing right, 
then you're going to be the villain in someone's life because you're not filling the narrative of their hero. You're not telling them what they want to hear. You're telling them what they need to hear. And sometimes that's not what they want to hear. Let's break down a little bit what I mean by villain and and how that kind of happens and why that kind of happens. Big one that I've seen in my life that I've got battle scars on from just doing the right thing is some people perceive it as a personal attack. It's never personal, right? If you're doing this thing called life correctly, it should never be personal when you're delivering your feedback. Even though it might seem personal, even though like you personally want that person to be awesome, that could be personal. But when you deliver your feedback, it should be, hey, it's not personal. Here's the standard. You didn't reach the standard. Here's what you were supposed to do. You didn't do it. Here's the rule about this. You did not follow it. So let me give you this feedback real quick. And some people just they, they take it personally. And and I'm not talking about the things that are debatable. I'm talking about black and white, open and shut case, things of that nature. I'm not trying to murky the water here. I'm trying to give you the straight up and down about it, the black and white. You'll tell an individual or a group of individuals, hey, this is how I was supposed to go down. You're supposed to get a 75 on your PFA. You got a 72, right? That is not the standard. And some people will still take that personally. They take it as an, an attack. Right? And it, don't, it doesn't make sense why, but they will. And that person who's delivering that message is seen as the villain, right? You know, everybody's on me and all this other stuff like that. And that may be true, but that's the reason. Okay. Feedback can be a very emotional process for, for a few reasons, but people, you know, are over emotional when it comes to feedback. Feedback is just supposed to be straightforward for the most part, but sometimes it gets emotional. You got to think about that as well. When you deliver feedback, be prepared for that. Be prepared that it could be perceived that way, even though it's straight up and down, it's forward. I'm trying to give you the reasons why people would take that and utilize that as as a you know personal attack or something of that nature, right? Or are you messing with their emotions? Just be prepared for that. Now, I got a, a quote from Killer Mike, and he's a, a rapper and activist out there, speaks for a lot of things. But he actually said, hey, I prefer to be a real villain than a false hero. And that speaks volumes to me because I agree with it, right? I don't want to spend time being the villain. I don't want to be your villain. What's the point? But if I'm doing the right thing and I'm saying the right things, then I'd rather be the villain than a false hero and tell you something you need to hear. When people get the idea that they're being attacked emotionally or personally or whatever the case may be, they, they, they have the ability, if they take it that way, they have the ability to weaponize it and put it back on you and say that this person is doing X, Y, and Z, when honestly, you're just getting feedback, right? So to the people who are perceiving those as a villain, I ask you and I challenge you before you do that and weaponize that and push that back towards people, I challenge you to look at yourself and say, okay, let me remove the emotions out of the process. Let me remove, you know, the personal feelings out of the process. Let me let this cool down, this session cool down for a second. And then let me readdress it later. And then when you readdress it, I'm sure it'll be a little bit clearer. What was being said? I was supposed to do this. I did not do that. As a matter of fact, I did this instead. That was the message. Okay, cool. I got that. That is clear as day. It's not so emotional. It's not so personal. Okay, so let me look at myself and figure out what I need to do next with that person who just gave me that feedback on how to uh, progress and be better. That's how you're supposed to respond. Right. But some people don't do that. They just see it as a personal attack and they haven't figured out how to process that yet. But I challenge you all because we're all going to be getting that feedback. I challenge you all to 
look at our, yourself when you don't get the feedback that you're expecting or you want. And, and instead of looking at that person as the villain, right? Look at them as a person that's just doing their job, right? They might just be the middle person. They might just be the person that, you know, saw, you know, saw something and they're relaying something. Slow down. Review the process. Remove the emotions from the process. Remove the the personal perception of attack and just say, cool, what is the message? What is the evidence that supports it? If the evidence is objective, it's straight up and down, then there's no emotions involved, at least against that person who's delivering the message. If anything, you got to turn back and look inside and say, what can I do in order to get back in standards? I challenge you all as the person who's going to be the villain to understand why you're going to be the villain sometimes and be prepared for it. I need those who are perceiving people as a villain to look inside themselves and to make sure you got your ducks in a row before you go ahead and point the finger at somebody and say that they are a villain. Maybe you're your own villain. Maybe you need to look inside yourself and realize this person's probably telling me the truth. And let me try and figure out how to be a better person out here so that I can move on with my life and lead others the right way and be a good example. Again, always be prepared to do and say the right things and be even more prepared to be the villain for it. All right, let's go. You are listening to the For the People Hypercast Show. Here we go, engine, engine, number nine, going down the Vegas line. If that train gets off the track, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Back on the scene, crispy and clean. You can try, but why when you can't intervene? Ladies and gentlemen, we are back again. It is that time. It's time to be grateful. It's time to celebrate. Another day to take on challenges, to tell your people that you love them. Red Alert is back. God in the universe have done it again. Another round, another chance to be better, greater, stronger, and faster. Another week that Red Alert gets to do its thing. There might be other shows around here, but they not us. So give it up and be grateful for the chance to be able to get out there. Let them know who you are, that you will not be defeated today, tomorrow, next week, or anytime. All right. We got a lot to do today. We got a lot going on, but we can't get this show on the road without giving our due propers to everybody who gets them today. A lot of people don't want us out here exposing the information. But my advice to you is to change the channel and get your hate on in a corner somewhere else. We're not worried about it because most haters are not doing greater than who they're hating on. On another note, in case you haven't noticed, it's February. We all know that as Black History Month. And in case you haven't noticed, I'm a black American. So I'm going to go ahead and take a moment, educate you guys during the opener. Okay, black history is American history. So let me count the ways, a few ways. Okay, if you guys don't know, the traffic light, peanut butter, potato chips, the modern security system, the gas mask, the super soaker from the 90s. All right. The automatic gear shift, the gaming cartridge, the hair straightener, just a few things, few contributions that black Americans have had in the not only this country, but the entire world. So give it up February for Black History Month. Hey, I'm going to be getting crazy with it throughout the show. This is American history. So make sure you guys give it up. Celebrate that as well. Red Alert team is ready to do its thing. Let you know who's in the building. Hey, you guys, you guys are clear for the overhead pass and buzz the tower at this time. Okay, so first and foremost, we have Cadet. Trio, Fernanda, Ballesteros. Alive and well. Next up, we have Cadet Camilla Valentine. Here and ready to dive in. Sweet. And then we got a bunch of guests in our airspace today who just happened to drop by, and we are super excited to have them down and ready to go with us. We have, of course, our current wing commander, Cadet Chad Galanga. That's me, right here. All right, cool. And, man craziness we have some former wing commanders up in here all right who have became lts and actually in the field they'd be able to give us some perspective of what's going on out there as lieutenants we have lieutenant blaze cohen and of course his better half lieutenant stephanie cohen up in the building where you guys at what's up better than i deserve thanks for having me 
And I'm better than ever. Hey, everyone. Yeah. So final shout out to all that work in the background to make this thing happen. We have Felicia Rigafort, Tanya Madrano, Mr. Robert Cooper, and of course, Mr. Transmission himself, Min Tran, and our marketer, Josel Santa Ana. And last but not least, we have Cadet Wade. He remains in the pattern. He is ready to land this bad boy. What are we talking about today, Cadet Dante Wade? Yeah, buddy. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to all the guests. It is great to see everybody. It's always a blast to uh, reconnect with the past. So before we really jump into the main topic, this weekend, um, I, along with a lot of the other fiscal year 24 counterparts, have probably applied for graduation at some point. That's usually what you do when you get to the end of your... uh, degree in ROTC. And for UNLV, our graduation deadline is March 1st. And I was, you know, going through my UNLV transcripts and all this stuff. And I was looking back and I was like, dang, my, I only need like 120 uh, credits to graduate, but I, we have like 160. If you're a mechanical engineer, you're like somewhere around there. And I'm like, what? why is there so many credits on here? Like, that's a lot of money probably. So I was looking back in and I was like, dang, all of these AES and ROTC classes are really adding up. And I was thinking back to uh, basically all the classes that we've done, all of the experiences. But I also thought, man, these credits, they are free. Like UNLV, the average cost per credit is around $418. And some of the lessons we went over a lot, a lot of the young cadets in the 100s class, we learn about like where the commission comes from and where officers come from. And usually officers used to be people within the, the city or the community that were a part of the upper class or the hierarchy. And so basically, if you had money, you were put in charge. But I was thinking about it and I was like, OK, they paid for their commission back then. How much how much does a commission cost in Las Vegas, Nevada right now? So I got some numbers. So there are 32 total credits that you need to get in aerospace studies minor to commission and become a second lieutenant. We said the average cost is around $418 per credit at UNLV. That comes out to a whopping total of $13,381 for a gold bar on your two shoulders. I just thought that was interesting. And when you think about it, that's the local cost. If you go to a different college, if you go out of state, you're, you might be paying $50,000 a semester or something. So the costs may vary, but that is if you don't have any of your own scholarships that you got from high school. Maybe you're on HSSP, a lot of things that cover it differently. And I was thinking, man, with the, the shift that Afrata HQ has gone to pushing their recruiting and their, uh, their money for tuition fees, it's, it's really been a good change for students because they used to push HSSP a lot harder and we would have a lot of HSSP students that would come in. And when you're on that first semester of HSSP, high school scholarship program, you get basically a trial period. So you sign the paperwork, but you can leave after that first semester if you want. And we typically have a lot of students that get it and join and then they leave. They're like, man, this blows. And it's like, ah, snap. Well, sorry. At least you got a free semester of college. But now they have shifted towards the, I believe it's the CSL program. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you're now pushing scholarships for uh, cadets that come back from field training. You now get tuition covered or, you know, you graduated and you determine it's been determined that you want to stay throughout this program. And once you contract it's like boom congratulations welcome to the club so what do you guys think about all of that you know the the cost of the commission how afrati and uh bigger air force is kind of reprioritizing their goals to get more cadets across the line especially with recruiting numbers and all that what's the thoughts i reserve my comments for the rear but you guys go ahead and do the thing cool yeah i'll, I'll chime in real quick um yeah i think it's that's a huge number and that's just for the aes classes which gets you that minor and that base level of information on on being in the military and being an officer. But what's also staggering is the amount of money that's invested in you or you're investing in yourself with getting the actual degree. I graduated three, almost three and a half years ago now. And I think after I did the math similar to you did, I was like, I was so fortunate. I was an HSSP guy. Uh, so my tuition was covered, but all in all, including like my stipends, books, tuition for four years, summer classes, uh, everything. I think it was around 65, 70 grand uh, just to put me through school, uh, not including any other additional money required to feed myself like that my parents helped me with or, you know, part-time jobs, things of that nature. So it's really a massive investment to become, become an officer. And what that makes me think is if you're spending all this money, time, not to mention effort in studying and preparing and learning, the way I used to tell people in like my flight or who I would like supervise in RTC is it's a four-year job interview. Not only where you're learning, 
uh, but also the Air Force is interviewing you. So sometimes they're like, great, we're going to monetarily reward you for that and pay for your tuition and stuff. And other times there are there are people who don't have that much uh, fortune going through the programs. I've always respected people who show up every single day, grind, and are still paying to be there. Because there's something different about getting paid to be somewhere and something different about paying to be somewhere. Those people who are paying to be there, my hat's off to them because that's that's incredible. And that's service before self right there uh, and exactly what we're looking for. So I think it's awesome that I didn't, this is the first I've heard about that, but that ROTC is shifting that mentality for the people who show up when they don't have to be there. And then monetarily rewarding those people, I think is a great way to move forward because it's these folks are working for something. I think that's awesome. So thanks for enlightening me on that. I had no idea that was even a thing going on. Yeah, of course. Sweet. Okay. Question. Um, trio. So a lot of these, the, the money that we have that's allocated to cadet awards, it also helps out offset some of that cost that our students have. And when you were a wing commander, a lot of your prerogatives were to increase our pools of funding to see if we can get more money from different places. And I'll speak for it personally, whenever, you know, specific awards came around and it comes around to the back end of the semester, it really lightens the load off on, you know, maybe you're trying to get some hours for your pick some score to be a pilot or you got some books or maybe it just helps you cover tuition costs. So how important is it for us as cadets, even though we think we might not have the the power to change the program, how is it important for you to kind of branch out and find those opportunities to make your people's lives easier? I think it's very important. I think in general, specifically being wing command, and I feel like all the past wing commanders can talk about this, budgeting is super important because if you utilize it for something that's not important, you're kind of screwed. And only that, let's say I was a fall semester. If you utilize all that money, you kind of screwed over the spring semester. And I think sometimes a lot of us have a limiting mindset of like the only pools of money that we have is only for the college of, or from the college of engineering. Well, that's not necessarily the case. I know for my semester, we were trying really hard to find an honorary squadron commander to help alleviate those costs. So more monies can go into scholarship funds um, for the end of the semester and award ceremonies. And we weren't able to get some because, you know, the whole rules of it can't be a veteran and, you know, all the type of laws that we have, but we still got a lot of funds extra because we were reaching out for people and not necessarily just booster club. It's not just some booster club's responsibility as a wing commander. You are the representative of the cadet wing. If you want more money, you have to start reaching out to all those external parties. Be like, hey, can you help us with this? Can you help us with that? And it's a very much like I give you this. You give me that relationship. So it's not like they're just it's not just for free. Maybe some. Yeah, for free out of their willingness of their own heart. And that's awesome. But most of it, it, it's not. And I would say what's really what was really nice about Colonel Young, when he first came in, he told us from the very beginning of how he wanted to kind of reorganize scholarships, you know, how there was a bronze, silver, like gold awards that we now see. So we have more people getting those awards because you do see those people who don't have, you know, those scholarships to help pay for their tuition. And I still remember when I came into the program, I didn't know that we had to pay for ROTC. Like maybe there was a dumb assumption of mine, but I did not know. And then I realized that for AES and for LAB, it was basically $700. And I was like, oh shoot. Okay. So I remember now when, you know, when I would help for the orientations for GMC cadets, that was the very first thing I would mention because I know everybody's financial status is very different. And I'm like, just so you're aware, you have to pay a minimum around $700 per semester for your first two years. If you're lucky and you get a scholarship, that is awesome. And now with the changes of POC or incoming POC getting, you know, their tuition or their, um, for their living, you know, paid for, that's really cool. But just so you're, you're just so you're aware. And a lot of them were like, okay, I'm not going to apply this semester. Maybe I'll apply next semester so I can get all those funds and work a lot this fall semester. And, you know, they were out here trying to be strategic about it, but I think we do need to be more vocal about it. Even if it's something as simple, I mean, not that I'm hating on AFR to see in the websites, but even simply putting it there, I think would be really important because it's not, there's no, it's nowhere there of you have to pay to be an ROTC because it's pretty not talked about unless they tell you about it or unless you're like me where I sign up for the classes. I'm like, Oh shoot, it's $700. So I think we just have to be more vocal about it, especially if we're going to be reaching out to different, um, different folks. Nice. Nice. That was a good input. Does anybody else have anything? Uh, I guess to quickly chime in there, uh, all the numbers just, just directly looking at like how much you're paying just to be in Air Force ROTC with the AAS classes and everything. Uh, I mean, we always preach it to our cadets here at Debt for the priorities, which number one is always going to be your academics. And 
with that, like how much you're spending just on the academics portion, I, I think it further cements the fact that, yeah, that is a no fail, no kidding zone. You have to put all of your effort into that first. And again, just helps put it all into perspective, really. That's all I got. Mm-hmm. Priorities, priorities, 100% agree. And for anybody that's thinking about, you know, the the holistic monetary part of school and AFRATC, um, working a job and doing all these things, everybody asks it like, am I going to be able to work when I do this? 100%. You you will be able to do what you make time for. We all have the same amount of time in a day. Um, every semester that I was a cadet, I had a part-time job. So it's 100% doable. So if you want it, you'll get after it. Cool. I'll, um, I'll end on this note and then we can go ahead and pivot to the next uh segment before trans starts losing his mind okay so you know you guys talked about the cost and everything else like that um this whole program whether you think about it from college or you know rotc or whatever the case may be you guys this where you guys are going must win the day right what i mean by that is at the end of the day your commission must be worth it and once you guys realize that oh cool the juice is worth the squeeze and we need you know this is where we're going and this makes sense you have to realize once you guys become lieutenants like a big huge door opens and the cost that you have to pay up front is worth what you guys get on the back end you guys get the experience you get the money back you get a lot of things you get a lot of bit you get a lot we we know that on the physical plane but you get a lot of experience you get a lot of interactions with different people you get to travel you get become a world-class member once you graduate and become a lieutenant you are no longer a local person you become international immediately so you need to understand that but the last thing i want to end with is a quote that i i get or remember often from my father and let's get it straight that's milton kelsey that's my father rest in peace but he would always say if you think the cost of being intelligent and smart is high try being stupid try being dumb not knowing Try not knowing what's the cost of that. So I know from Front Street, it looks like a lot. And I know you guys got resources. You guys are gathering resources. I got it. But imagine not having the experience that you guys are about to roll into. The LTs, the experience that you just you you're in, right? Like the juice is worth the squeeze. You guys have so many battle scars already. I'm sure that you've gotten since you transitioned active duty um, that you you could not get anywhere else. So the juice is worth the squeeze, y'all. I would say that to everybody. I know it's tough, but find your resources. Do not give up on that. Dig, dig, dig. You guys can do this. Once you get on the other side, there is you will not replace that experience with anything. It's worth it. Cool. So with that being said, we can go ahead and pivot. All right. Our main topic, you all, is the villain, as we already told everybody that was coming up. So I want to start with a quote I got from the Internet, and I want you guys to let me know what you guys think of it. We got past wing commanders. We got past flight commanders. We got people who should be able to speak on this. And I expect you guys to give out a frenzy of experiences and battle scars and things of that. So again, we're talking about the villain. Okay. Somebody was in the middle of an interview and they asked, Hey, how do you feel about being the villain in someone's story? This person replies and says, we all become the villain in someone's story when we no longer fit the narrative to be their hero and no longer meet the needs of that person. We don't spend enough time talking about the times when we are the hero, but when we are portrayed as the villain, it seems like an eternity. Now, with that being said, what do you guys think, especially when it comes to being portrayed as a villain? Have you guys had any experiences? What were the, you know, how quick was that hero villain shift? What is on you guys' minds out there? I'm gonna leave it open to the floor. Let's go. Let's start. Well, actually, let's start with let's start with uh, the LTs. Let's start with the LTs. You guys open the floor. Sure. Hey, so the one thing that I always keep in mind with this is that when people talk about perspective, everyone is gonna have you as one slice of the pie. And so the reason why you're considered a villain is because they have other slices that they have had before. And so just keeping in mind that everything you say matters. Everything is important. Uh, words matter. Uh, but at the end of the day, like sometimes you might not be able to see the villain to hero timeline ever. 
And if you do, it might not be until way, way late in the game. Yeah, that's that's like my, my biggest opener for that is that it's just going to be you are one part of their story, just like you have a villain to someone else or you might have a villain. Um, and you're like, I don't agree with what they say. I don't like how they treated me. But it's because you've gotten a different set of treatment somewhere else that you preferred for your story, what makes sense for you. So honestly, like, especially coming into active duty, you got to just take it as a grain of salt and say, maybe I'm not a villain. Maybe I'm just offering a different perspective that they have not seen yet. And however they need to use it for their story is for them because it's not about you at the end of the day. It's about how you can make your team stronger. And that's pretty good. So, and I, I'll reserve my comments. I know what this is. So the answer to this is, but what do you guys think for those who have transitioned from somebody's hero to the villain? What, what was the trigger? If you guys can recall, what was the thing that, that transformed you from a hero to a villain? What do you guys think? You get a good story. Oh, I kind of have one. Um, I would say, talking about mentors. I mean, this is, I think is where a lot of it comes from is someone's following a path that they have, um, learn to love because that's their mentor. And when somebody else have a different, has a different set of experiences and they're like, here's how we're going to shift or here's how the mission needs you to shift. Um, and if that's not following the path that they were told, well, I was told I was doing it right going down this way. Now you're the villain coming in because you've now shifted their world and shifted their perspective. And um, it's hard to take that. And I try to just put them in their, sh- put myself in their shoes that, Hey, someone just told me something that now I have to fully change what I was doing. But again, it's not, it's not about me, but that's where I think the trigger was for me in one specific scenario I'm thinking of. Yeah. And in all my experience, um, like an ROTC active duty, I think when you go in the simplest terms, going from the, the hero to the villain is when it goes from being easy to hard. And you tell somebody and your, your guidance is, Oh, this is easy. Just do this until you have to shift to, to take care of that person or give them the guidance that they need. When that advice starts becoming difficult, or uncomfortable, that is when you kind of can make that scary transition to being the villain. But I think you as as a mentor, as a peer, as a good person, you have to understand that I think being a villain is time relative. And you may be a villain in, in one scene of the movie. And in the next scene, uh, you may transition back to the hero again. So I think sometimes like there's a phrase out like right person, wrong time. I think that advice that stands true for, for mentorship and leadership. Mm-hmm. I could tell you something that might really make you upset and it's just going to take you to mature or to you to see the results of whatever I was making you do or telling you to do for you to understand that I wasn't trying to be the villain. And as a matter of fact, I was your hero and it just took you a while to realize that. Mm-hmm. And I think as you guys move forward, whether in ROTC or active duty or, or wherever your paths take you, just remember like as a leader, you're supposed to care for somebody. Uh, and that's the only way to be a great leader. And sometimes just like your parents did for you, sometimes you got to be hard on your kids. And I think that's the same thing you have to do with your airmen uh, or like me with, with your fellow air crew. Like there's a standard that exists and sometimes we can slack on that. But sometimes you got to be the person that upholds it because at the end of the day, like your safety is involved or it's somebody's success. They're kind of a... a and that's... A, go ahead, sir. That's that's the thing. So here's... You, you, just, you just pinged on one of my biggest things that, that trigger the villain complex, in my opinion. Feedback, feedback. People do not like to hear constructive criticism when it comes to, you know, what they're doing right, wrong or whatever the case may be. Somebody I know there's a witness in here somewhere where you had to deliver some feedback and it's honest and it's it's the right thing. Here's a standard. You didn't meet it. And now you mad. Why are you mad? Why are you upset? Why are you angry? Right. You're supposed to get a 75 plus on your PFA. You got a 73. It is my job as your supervisor to tell you, here's the standard. Here's where you, you, you know, here's where you are. Not good. Right. You need to be here. And sometimes that's what creates the villain. Has somebody had that experience? And and how did that make you feel? Because I got more to add to this. I'm an emotional person. I got stories innumerable, but I know you guys have stories, too. When is it like you guys drop some feedback and it did not go well, but it was the right thing to do? If I may first real quick say my I guess, trigger for my semester. So I still remember like going way back. Cause I, re- I've reflected a lot of my semester, right? Cause you're just like, did I do everything that I could? Um, and I still remember that award ceremony when I got announced, you know, you got wing commander and I was, you know, everybody's like, Oh my God, I'm so happy for you. Yeah. So you're going to finally do change. And all these people saying the same thing. 
Yet when I actually started doing the change that we all agreed upon, then I'm the problem. And that's where I felt like the trigger was. And I was like, well, you guys were super excited prior to that. And now that I'm actually doing it, like what's going on? Oh, thanks. Yeah, exactly. um, <laughs> what's going on? I'm on 5% right now. So I don't know how long I'm going to be around, but I figured I'd at you least- You jumped up uh, in here for 5%. What's up? <laughs> you jumped in here with 5%. Just Oh man, I, let me tell you what, my phone didn't charge last night. So my, my cable's all broken, but I, I'm out and about right now, but I, I knew I'd, I'd make the time to at least stop in. But uh, so yeah. Sounds we'll, like a Razzism to me. Uh, I know, right? We'll see. We'll see how far I get. We'll see. But uh, I at least want to show face okay so so okay so i know that you know valentine being a flight commander um i know that you have had that you know experience where you had to drop some feedback on somebody did it always go well Obviously, no, it it does not always go well. And I think something that I've learned is like, even though my attention is there and I really want to see them do better, again, perception's reality. And going back to what Stephanie was saying earlier, your words really do matter because for some people, it could be very triggering. Like, I know my intentions and what I'm trying to get across to them, but the way it comes off sometimes might feel like I'm attacking them. And so they might not see where I'm trying to get them to see. But um, I haven't had that many moments this semester, but last time I was flight commander, I definitely had those moments. Even just being a POC supervisor, I had to give that hard feedback and I could kind of tell just by the person's response that they didn't 100% agree. So I kind of had to take a step back and put myself in their shoes and understand like what's a way that I could communicate it to them for them to understand. And I think when I get on their level, it makes it a little bit easier to cross over. Okay. So, so we already talked about feedback is one of the triggers, right? Another trigger that I've seen throughout my time in ROTC and, and probably throughout my 20 year career change, change triggers the villain complex. Now, Y'all might not. Well, change is change is change is hard on everybody, but it depends on who's implementing the change. For example, the change of a debt commander. Right. And here's how it ran before. And here's the concepts before. But this is how it's going down now, because I see something else and the boat is going this way. Now, I'm sure you guys have seen that transition happen where it's like, man, it was this way and now it's this way. Who the heck is this person think they are? And we've always done it this way. And they're automatically the villain. I have no idea, you know, where this person ultimately is going and why they're doing it. They just automatically you're the villain. Right. So I know you guys have seen that as you guys have been wing commanders. You guys have seen it like this. I know we went this way and did it this way, whatever. But I'm in command now. Right. And this is where we're going. Right. So what are you guys' experiences with that? Did you guys get a resistance? When did you guys become the villain? I know most of y'all. I know there's a story. I know there's a story where you guys became the villain as wing commanders. See, how do you got a story? Uh, yeah, as we as we talk about kind of the, uh, the the villain arc per se, and and the villain can right like you were talking about definitely be uh, both sides, you in the the seat of leadership, or um, other people responding to a change in leadership. Uh, you know, when I had my turn as wing commander. I think one of the big things that uh, I wanted to at least stress was was bringing together a, a community uh, where we all felt like we could elicit um, feedback and and be able to steer the boat a little bit. But at the end of the day, you're the wing commander for a reason because um, your peers or your leadership um, or whoever put you in that position trusted you to be the final say and final authority. And that was something that was kind of hard for me coming up as 18, 19, 20 years old as a, a GMC cadet and something that actually... Uh, Lieutenant Cohen over there definitely had to teach me a lot of was uh, be the one to make a decision. Sometimes you're going to have to be the, the guy who says, uh, here's what goes and here's what doesn't go. I think in that wing commander spot, you're definitely uh, more of a, a C-suite professional, right? You are the decision matrix um, that all problems and things are going to be processed through, not the one who's down and in doing the work. And I think that position is the uh, purest, most concentrated form of that kind of leadership. So when I came in, uh, I wanted to do away with a lot of, uh, you know, our more friction oriented bureaucratic processes and, and give us the opportunity to go ahead and be able to, um, actually have like a lot of efficiency to go out and, and make the mission happen, which is to train cadets to go and become officers in the Air Force at the end of the day. Uh, and in doing that, I think there was, right, like we talked about change, right? You're going to have that unfreezing, refreezing and resistance period. Uh, and there was a little bit of that going on for sure. And 
I think some folks didn't like that, but what the thing that's going to get you through that at the end of the day, I believe is, is having good tax and being able to explain the why behind things. I think a lot of people make changes and they sound good in their mind, but you have to make sure the people that are going to one, be affected by those changes and two, go out there and be the operators that implement those changes have full grasp and understanding of why you're doing it. Yeah. So and I'm going I'm to kick this part to Wade because, you know, he's he's a pretty in my opinion, he's a pretty stable leader. He keeps it pretty objective, doesn't let his emotions get into the process. But and I might be alluding to the answer that I, I'm trying to dig out of him. But why do you think people make somebody a villain in the first place? They get the feedback. They don't like it. Right. Why do you think, Wade, that. All of a sudden you go from somebody from being somebody's hero to their villain, although the answer what's being said is correct. What what makes that happen? What's where's the chemistry inside? What do you think it is? Okay, that's a good one. So for me, I think it is having been exposed to it so much in the past. I come from a a very, very heavy sports background and strict military grumpy dad. It's probably downstairs playing Clash Mobile right now, but it's I've had an environment of just always getting dogged on. Like (laughs) I'm always doing something wrong, which is, is good. And I've learned it. So then I think that is what has made me resilient to seeing people as you know, my villain. Like, for example, when Colonel Young came to the attachment and I was uh, OG commander, he was dogging on me left and right. And I mean, everybody in the wing, realistically, but I never saw him as a villain. I was like, you know what? Appreciate it, man. Sweet. Get back to you next week. And just being able to, I wouldn't say I was numbed to it, but uh, I kind of knew that what the, the real meaning behind everything was. And I think if you're not exposed to that stuff in, you know, while you're growing up either as a child or in your like really heavy developmental state in your late teens to early 20s, I think if you're getting the first taste of it, you know, it's going to it's going to burn. You know, it was like me with pickles. I didn't really like pickles until I started eating them a little bit more. <laughs> but I think that's what goes on inside. I could be wrong, though. Yeah. So and I'm going I'm to kick the ones, this one towards Galanga. So I here's my personal experience, you guys. I'm going to share this with you guys when, you know, I'm I'm a hero 99% of the time. Everybody comes to my office. Everybody knows where my office is. I'm usually there rendering the the proper advice and making people feel better. Here's the napkins and the tissues and all that cool stuff. Now go on and do your thing. Right. That that happens. Right. I, I get that. I pride myself on that. But sometimes there's a duality in me. Sometimes I drop the hammer. Right. And I have to do that. That's my job. People don't expect that from me because I'm who I am. But I do have standards, too. I know what the standards are. And when somebody crosses those or do not exceed those or says something wrong or or articulates the wrong message, it's my job to step in. Right. I, I hate being Captain Sledge, but sometimes I got to be him. Right. Um, it's usually driven by something else that that's not right. Right. I, I have the courage to tell somebody that they're not right. Right. In my experience, it's the personnel being told that they're not doing the thing, meeting the standards, and then sometimes not being able to handle it emotionally that they are not quite there. Right. They, nobody really tells me this. I'm 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 100. I, I'm always this. And for somebody to tell me that I'm not right, that emotionally distracts me. That that, that emotionally bothered me. That bothers me to the point where who the hell do you think you are? Right. Telling me this. And I'm I'm emotionally taken back by this and I don't handle it. And it's personal now. And it never was personal. It never was personal. My job is to deliver that. But you guys, I've seen it. I've seen it. And you're going to see it a lot where people like, dude, I don't understand why you're so upset. Here's the standard. I told you. And now you're mad at me. So, I, I, you know, and and now now that this is personal, I got to get back at you. I got to. I'm mad at you. Right. I've seen that. I've seen that in the war. I've gotten battle scars about that. So what I'm saying is if you guys have not experienced that, you will because you're dealing with people. It's not a machine. It's not a password. You know, you put in a password. It's wrong. You're wrong. That's the feedback. Right. It you know, people are going to be the variation. So my my question for Galanga is, have you experienced that? Have you seen it where it's been driven by emotion and, you know, it, it was it was it you? You know, was it you driving by, driven by emotion on how you made a decision? I don't know. I just want to know what your experience has been so far as a wing commander. Right, sir. So we're about five weeks into the official game, I suppose, so far. 
And I would have to say that fortunately during my time as wing commander, I haven't had to necessarily witness that sort of kickback that is purely emotional just because of the fact that me, myself, I try, I try my hardest to be transparent. I'm very much adamant on the extreme ownership and just being clear with why I'm doing what I'm doing. But that being said, I know that that kind of pushback is very much imminent because, well, as we're facing and looking at some of the the climate issues within the cadet wing that are stemming from things that I personally do feel I am responsible for on some things, well, it's not going to be so much of a, a bro culture where like I can let things slide, you know? So as I'm holding people more accountable, I'm 100% anticipating that, that sort of kickback because it's, it's a necessary part of the, the process, I believe, which for me, if anybody knows me, I, I try to be chill, super easy, super nice to people. If I'm the one giving like, how do I say this? As Colonel Young puts it a lot, if I'm the one showing my teeth, then man, something's going wrong. And I'll actually caveat myself here and say that there were a few instances so far in this semester where I, I had to correct my team. And the unfortunate about the unfortunate part about working with uh, working so closely with people in Air Force ROTC is that chances are you're going to be working with your friends a fair bit. And in that moment, you have to decide within yourself, am I going to be a villain for this portion of time to make the right decision or am I just going to let things slide and be a villain to more people? That's something that I'm realizing more and more. Well, I'd rather be a a well-written villain for one person than a sloppy villain for hundreds. Yeah. So one thing I, 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 I give you guys advice on, and I know the wing commanders will tell you the same thing, Galanga. You're going to be the villain sometimes because you're, you're steering the ship and you're, you're, you're the man, right? So, you know, a lot of people are going to be, you know, they don't want to go to change. They, they are feeling insecure about a change you're making. They're not so certain about where things are going. They can't see where you're going. Well, don't worry about it because the universe and God and, and everything gave you the vision. You have the vision. Of course, nobody else can see what you see. You, you are the only one who can have it, right? So, you, you know, it's sometimes it is lonely. It's a lonely world sometimes. And I understand. But you got to do what you feel is solid in your heart and let the rest cast itself out as long as it has all the, uh, the, the, the elements, you know, safe, effective, legal, ethical, moral, all that cool stuff. As long as it's got that, then we're rolling. And everybody, like Chief McKean said in my interview, everybody got to walk out that room lockstep. Everybody's got to roll, right? And, and no one will ever know that Ballesteros, the Cohens, Wade, or Valentine did not agree with you. We'll never know. That's how it's supposed to be in theory, right? But sometimes it doesn't roll that way because we, we're developing that ability while we're in ROTC. So it's okay to be the villain. It, you know, it's okay. And every last wing commander right here will tell you it's okay. Like I've been there and it's just because people are insecure. They don't know where things are going. It, it indicates change. You might be, they might see it as a, as an attack on their person or something of that nature, but it's never personal. It's never, ever personal. I've seen some things and my experiences have told me that this needs a cap on it. This needs a limit. This needs to be done. This needs to be X, Y, and Z. Right. And I've seen every last one of y'all make a move where it was like, well, Cadre's hands are off of this, but it's based. It has to be based on something that you guys have seen, and it's it's non tolerable. So, pilot your ship. Continue to pilot. every last one of these wing commanders will tell you, pilot your ship. They trust you. So, I'll, I'll roll with that. But I want to leave you with one more item that that I think you that'll help you out here, and then I'm gonna pass it to uh, Blaze here, BLT. It, it, like I said, it's it's okay to be the villain. It, it's 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 all right. I, I want I want you guys to think about this before I pass it on. Have you guys lost any friends or any allies during your your tenure? Whether it's flight commander, group commander, whatever. I want you guys to think about that because I want I want Blaze to answer to say his thing, and then I want y'all to answer the question. Sweet. Thanks for the floor. Uh, yeah, I completely with I agree with him completely. Um, all right, I will caution you to say it's okay to be the villain, but don't don't be okay with being the villain all the time. Uh, I think it's important to be in touch with your people enough to understand when you are making calls that they hate. 
they obviously hate it for a reason. And you need to determine is, is that because what I'm doing doesn't make sense? They disagree. They have a better idea. Uh, or this is changing the culture to something that is I'm not intending. Or are they maybe being a little bit lazy and don't want to take on, you know, whatever change that is and something that's difficult. So I think when you're in a, a position like the wing commander, it's very important to, to be okay with being the villain when you have to, but pick that hill to die on. Don't let it be all of them because if you need to retain credibility and you need to retain people's likeness towards you uh, for when you're trying to make really big pushes. And if you empty that battery really, really quickly, then it's going to be really hard for you to do the thing you actually really want to do. So the way I set it up when I was the boss was uh, I was kind of good cop. And then I had Lieutenant Bradenhead, just flying A-10s now, if you don't know him. Uh, he was my bad cop. And I was honestly, a lot of times I was like, hey, Braden, we got to do something. People aren't going to like it, but I need you to handle it. And he would kind of take that flack for me. That way you kind of save face and you can kind of be the people, the person people are comfortable coming to uh, with solutions. And you don't have to be the villain all the time. So if you can set it up that way, I think it, it it's good. But be okay with being the villain. Just I would stray away from being it all the time. It's kind of my two cents on that. Thanks for letting me chime in. I feel like every semester is extremely different. I feel like mine just had a lot of variables just because... We had Colonel Young coming in, who was extremely 180 from Colonel Williams. And not only was he leaving, but our Colonel Williams left, but a whole bunch of other cadre left. So it was a whole new cadre dynamic that we had to figure out. And just given the fact of how the previous semester was, just, there were just so many things within the climate in itself that had to be fixed. Um, and I think just as a wing commander, you always have to strategize your key players. And specifically, Brandon Garcia was my vice. He was a great guy. Um, but given the fact of how his dynamic was with the rest of the class the previous semester, I couldn't have him be the bad cop. That would have added even more resistance. So I was like, like sad to say, but I have to be the bad cop. So I was a bad cop the whole semester while he was a good cop. When, you know, reverse kind of like how Blaze said, typically the wing commander is more of the good cop because it's just kind of like you have to save face a little bit. So Colonel Young was almost... Like that guy that had a safe face sometimes for me because I'm even whenever we would have our POC hot washes or whatever the case was, he's like, this decision isn't coming from her. It's coming from me. And it was a lot of like tag teaming a lot of things, but because there was so many changes that sometimes it wasn't really all happy and jolly. It, it couldn't be because we were just trying to strive for one specific thing that semester. And I remember him specifically saying, I don't care about morale this semester. Cadet De Leon can focus on that next semester. I don't care. You have to focus on all the problems that we have to fix this semester. And that is your job. And I took it very seriously. Um, but again, there was just a lot of resistance due to people not being used to that direct feedback, all the changes. Um, and kind of like how Captain says, you said, I did lose a lot of friendships because of that, because people could not move past the whole personal side of things because it was never personal. But I think it was also due to the fact that just throughout my whole semesters in ROTC. I've been a very nice person. Like I, I smile, I, I care a lot, but I don't think people necessarily always saw that. Like, I guess the other side of the coin of like, I can kind of be your enemy in a way, but not because I want to be because I need to, because I need to change certain things. And when people saw that face of me, they weren't used to it. And then they automatically felt like I was just attacking them when it wasn't. And I gave people multiple tries and multiple, like, no, I, I'll hold your hand as much as I can. But when it came to the point where it was disrespectful. I was like, that's my limit. Like I can't. And, you know, obviously there was a lot of wing chart changes in my semester training week six. Good thing, Chad, you're still good. <laughs> Mine was training week six when we changed a whole bunch of stuff within the wing chart, but I had to, because I had no other option because I already have exercised all other possible options. And, you know, I was telling Captain Sledge, what was it like sometime last week? I'm not going to beg for a friendship. If you don't want to talk to me anymore because of what happened in ROTC and you want to take it personal, then so be it. I'm not going to beg for you. I'm always here. If not, then we're good. So you are listening to the For the People Hypercast show.